God has an answer to the world. You know, He has an answer. He realized that someone came in. Someone came in to deceive all of the inhabited earth. And uh, He is not going to stand there idly by while someone else takes His lover. And uh, He has done something. Hallelujah, today Christ has become the Spirit. And we have to realize you could entitle this whole message God's Answer. God has an answer. He realizes the world situation. He realizes the cosmos that we're living in today. But God has produced an answer. And that answer is the Spirit. So we want to get a clear vision of how He answers this great problem that's come in to usurp His lover, the church, His people. And that answer is the Spirit. Well, let's start the outline here. Um, let's read Roman numeral 1 together. Ready? Go. The Spirit... Today, the Spirit is the reality and actuality of Christ. Let's read letter A. Go. Realize... You know, Friday night we saw Christ in such a wonderful way. He was there uh, in the Gospels portrayed so beautifully. But we have to realize that this Christ today is not just a man. He has gone through a process. And today, Christ is realized as the Spirit. And let's read these verses here in John 14. Uh, how about we alternate? Brothers on 16, sisters on 17. Ready, brothers? Go. God will ask the Father, and He will give you another comfort, that He may be with you forever. Sisters. Brothers, all together in that day. Okay, if you look at these verses carefully. Uh, I want you to circle another comforter in 16. Another comforter. Okay, that means there's already one comforter, right? And who's that comforter? That, that comforter was Christ. When Christ came, the comforter came. But now here's Jesus speaking, and He says, I will give you another comforter. And then in 17, circle the Spirit of Reality. And then you can draw an arrow connecting those two. Another comforter, the spirit of reality. Then it says, Whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold Him or know Him. But you know Him and he, because He abides with you and shall be in you. But it's interesting in verse 18, to continue the thought, you would think it would say, He will not leave you as orphans. He is coming to you. That would be the normal thought, the logical progression here. But what you have to catch here is there's a turn. Instead, it says, I will not leave you. I am coming to you. So you have to realize in the universe, at one point, there was a huge turn. And this great turn 
is Christ becoming the Spirit. You have to go from the Him to the I. And eventually you realize Christ is the Spirit. Eventually in verse 20 it says, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So this Christ now has become the Spirit. And we have to realize this is a big thing because many people today still consider Christ in the physical realm. They think of a physical Jesus. They have physical crosses and physical icons and many physical things. But we have to realize that in the divine realm there's been a big turn because today Christ is the Spirit. This is God's answer to the world. He brought in, He became a man, and He Himself became the Spirit. And uh, we have to realize the Lord here was going through the process of death and burial and resurrection so that He would have a big turn from the physical realm to becoming the Spirit. Um, so firstly, look at letter B. Let's read that together. Go. Coming... We have to realize that he firstly came as the believer's life essence. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15:45. Go. So also it is written. And then let's read John 20:22. 20, Go. So at this point, when Christ came and He was there with the disciples, they were scared to death. And they were fearful uh, of the Jews. Uh, Christ had just been crucified. And uh, actually, Christ was there, but they didn't even realize it at the time. And so, do you remember the scene there? What happened was, uh, actually, you have to consider, I wonder how long the Lord was there listening to them. Speaking to them. And I mean, not speaking to them, but listening to them speak to one another. Boy, what's going on? What do you think the Jews are going to do to us? What, what's happening? They were in the upper room there, right? They were scared to death. Surely the Lord was there listening to them. And then the, He knew exactly what to say when He appeared on the scene. You remember His first words? Peace be to you. Peace be to you. He knew they were scared to death. And he was probably there listening the whole conversation. And so he appeared, the first thing he said, he didn't jump in and say, I'm the Spirit! <laughs> you know, that's not our Christ. He was so appropriate. He was so normal. And he just said, peace be to you. And then a second time, you read the account there, he said, peace be to you. He just was there ministering whatever they needed. And we have to realize this is our Jesus today. As the Spirit, He ministers whatever we need. And so, He he did something there. Never had been done before in human history. He breathed into them. He breathed something into them. He breathed the breath of life into them. You know, in Genesis 2-7 there, Back in Genesis, it talks about forming man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into them. That was a different breath. That there was just for forming man with a spirit. But this breath here actually imparted 
Himself as the divine element into man. And so when He breathed this breath, He became the life essence of the believers. So, Christ there, He breathed Himself into man, and He was inwardly installed. No longer were they just His friends, but now they were called His brothers. So at that point, the life essence came into them. Then, uh, we don't have so much time, but 50 days later, something else transpired. Very significant, related to the Spirit. Uh, and let's read letter C together. Ready? Go. Coming as power. Let's read Acts 2.4. Go. And Acts 2.17. Go. Yeah, and so firstly, we had Christ coming as the life essence into the believer by His breathing Himself into them. But secondly, after 50 days, the Lord had spent all this time actually for 40 days appearing and disappearing to the believers, trying to train them concerning His invisible presence. And then the brothers and sisters began to pray for 10 days. And after they prayed for ten days, guess what? This Spirit, which was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, was poured out on all flesh. And eventually at that point, you know what? The church came into existence. Hallelujah for the church! Let's all say that. Hallelujah for the church! When that happened, when the Spirit of power was poured out, then the church was formed and came into existence. And so you have to see these two aspects of the Spirit. There's, a, there's an aspect of life essence, and there's an aspect of power. There's an essential aspect, and there's an economical aspect. This is our Spirit. This is the one who has become Christ, who has become the Spirit. Well, uh, we have to realize that coming as power for God's move, I would say in our practical experience today, this is mainly for our speaking. You know, as Jose pointed out, uh, just to say those words, it takes the whole power of the triune God. Sometimes you're there, and uh, the Spirit is moving. But you just, you just don't want to say it. There's just resistance there. That's when, that's when you need the Spirit of power. Just to say, by the way, I'm a Christian. Right? The other day, I was on an elevator, and it was packed with people. We were at UT, and you know, there's all these people jammed on this elevator. And I was with a brother. And I wondered if when we got on the elevator, our fellowship would continue. Because you know, you get on the, the elevator syndrome. Everybody stands there, and everybody has that generic look. Where they're neither smiling nor frowning, they just look. Right? Everything gets silent. But uh, by the Lord's mercy, you know what? We have the spirit of power. And we just continued to fellowship with one another as we got on this elevator. We just were enjoying Christ. And all the listeners, we, we both were very well aware. All the ears were there, right? What are these guys talking about? What are they saying? Listen, you know what? When He breathed into us today, we not only got the life essence, but we got the power of the Spirit. We got both aspects today. When we received Christ, today He's the Spirit of life and the Spirit of power. And we received both aspects today. Okay. 
even in the matter of the gospel, I would say this is very much our experience. Uh, when we go out on the gospel, we have to realize we have been clothed with the spirit of power, especially as we are on these college campuses. God has given us a unique opportunity, probably the best opportunity in your whole life, to speak Christ to all the people around you. There's not a better time in your life when people will be more open and more receptive and more available to share the words of Christ with. And so we have to realize the spirit that we've been given is mainly for speaking. This spirit of power that's been given to us is so that we would speak his name forth to all the ones around us. Okay, let's go ahead here. Roman numeral 2, let's read this. The spirit, the bountiful supply. Brothers, read it. Go. Sister, stronger. Well, we have to realize that this spirit today, in our experience, is a bountiful supply. And uh, this word bountiful, actually, if you look up in some lexicons, it means an abundant stored wealth. An abundant stored wealth. In this spirit today is everything that we would ever need. And I believe when we finish this outline, you will realize what is actually in this spirit. Uh, we have to be impressed. The bountiful supply. Do you need patience? It's in this spirit. Do you need wisdom? It's in this spirit. Do you need power? Do you need strength? Do you need comfort? Every element that we need in our Christian life is in this spirit. It's like in the realm of medicine now, and Jose knows some of this, but there's pills now that have so many elements and ingredients. You can take one pill, and it will take care of your watery eyes, your itching nose, your cough, your congestion. It's all in one single pill. It's all in one dose. And we have to realize the spirit is just like this. It's the divine medicine today. Whatever we need, it's in this spirit. When you're there with your roommates, or you're there with your housemate in a brother's house, we need a lot of things, don't we, brothers? David, come on up here. David, when, you, uh, when you're there and you come in the kitchen, you need a lot of things, don't you, brother? How about when you see the, the sink and it's, it's got dishes in it? And you just finished washing the dishes. You need something there, don't you? Yeah. We have so many needs because we come in to our living arrangement and we realize, brother, he did it again. He ate my food with my dishes and he left them in the sink. I told, how many times have I told that brother? Right? Right then, we need the bountiful supply, right? Thanks. We need Him for all the areas of our daily living, right? We need Him in so many details, and He is the bountiful supply. Do you need Him as patience? It's in the Spirit. Do you need Him as comfort? It's in the Spirit. How about you go and you, you look up on the wall and you figure out your test score? Oh, Lord Jesus. Right? You check up there. Let's see. Where's my up? Okay. There's my social security number. Uh, oh, that can't be mine. Wait a minute. Let me check here. <laughs> oh, that is mine. Oh, Lord Jesus. Right? 
In all these areas, we need Christ as the bountiful supply. And we have to realize, you know what? Whatever we need, He just gives us the Spirit. Let's look at let's look at these verses here in Luke eleven, ten through thirteen. Let's how about brothers on ten, sisters on thirteen. Brothers go. Sisters. Okay, and ten underline ask. Seeks and knocks. Okay, this is our Christian life. A life of asking, seeking, and knocking. And you know, we, we ask for a lot of things in our Christian life. And we seek a lot of things. Even, even we ask the Lord for many things. But I want you to catch, what does the Father give us? How much more will the Father who is from heaven give what? He gives the Holy Spirit. You know, we may ask for patience, Mike. We may be really upset with our roommate. He gives the Holy Spirit. We may ask for wisdom. What does He give? He gives the Holy Spirit. You may ask for what? Comfort. I need comfort. Guess what the Father gives? He gives the Holy Spirit. You know what? Whatever you ask and whatever you seek for, the Father has one answer. The Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit. This is what He gives. And uh, let's go back and read Philippians 1.19 together again. Ready? Go. For I know... You know, this, uh, this word here, uh, the bountiful supply of the Spirit, has the thought in Greek of the Kouragis. And the Kouragis was a... Uh, he was the person who took care of the coral... That a traveling choir. In the ancient times, the choir would travel around, and this person who was called the Courageous, he would supply all the needs to this traveling choir. Whatever they needed, you just come to this person and ask him. If you needed supplies, if you needed food, if you needed this and that, he would supply it because he was the Courageous. And this today is the Spirit. Today, our Spirit is the divine Courageous. Whatever he needs, whatever you need, he will give it. Hallelujah for the Spirit has the bountiful supply. Then John 3.34, let's all read this. Go. For He... You know, sometimes we feel like, wow, I've asked the Lord so many times, surely He can't supply it again. Right? Underline, not by measure. How much of the Spirit does the Lord have? It's an abundant supply. It's You know what? Uh, we've been coming to these conferences now, Neil, how many years? Semester after semester, decade after decade. <laughs> and you know what? The Spirit is still supplied. He's so rich. He's so full, right? He can fulfill all that we need. And we have to realize, we have to learn to have a life of asking Him. When we ask Him, He will supply us the Spirit not by measure. Let's all say that. Not by measure. One more time. Not by measure. That's how much the Spirit there is to give. He gives the Spirit not by measure. Okay, let's move on here. Roman numeral 3. Let's read this together. The Spirit... Uh, let's read Galatians 3.14. Go. 
Yes. Okay, circle blessing of Abraham. And then circle promise of the Spirit. Um, you know, the Lord gave Abraham a big promise. And we need to see this in Genesis 22:18. Let's read this next verse together. Ready? Go. So circle the word seed, and that word seed refers to Christ. Okay? And then we'll see the second part of the promise here in Genesis 17:8. Ready? Go. And I will give to you So circle the word, the land. We have to realize that what God promised Abraham was the seed and the land. And the land here represents the physical aspect of the blessing. But we know that this corresponds in the New Testament to Christ as our all-inclusive good land. And He has the good land today is in the Spirit. So today, Galatians 3.14 tells us clearly that this promise is fulfilled in the Spirit. And, you know, what I want to point out in this section here is you, you have to consider, what is the real blessing today? What is the real blessing? Well, in a physical sense, many, many people would talk about outward things. Well, my house, my car, so much, you know, this, this item, this item. Even count your many blessings, right? Count your many blessings. Let's see how many dollars I have. One, two, three. That's us students, right? Four, five. Right? We're counting our blessings on one hand. But we have to realize the blessing is something much more. Uh, you know, actually, on the way up here, I was reading with a brother, and we were reading the book of Job. Uh, actually, just some parts of it. And, uh, you know, if you look here in chapter 42 of Job... You may have the concept that Job really got blessed. And actually, he did get blessed. But your concept of blessing may be verses 12 and 13. Okay? Uh, let me just read these to you. Okay? This is at the very end of the book of Job, chapter 42, verses 12 and 13. It says, Thus Jehovah blessed Job's latter end more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. And if you skip down to 15, and in all the land no women were found as beautiful as the daughters of Job. Okay, so this was a blessing. But you have to see this was just in the outward realm. And actually it was a very temporary blessing. But what you have to realize is actually a few verses before this, Job got the real blessing. And if you go look in verse 5 here, Job 42.5, it says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. So at this point, Job got the real blessing. He saw God. And eventually it says, therefore, in verse 6, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And so he realized after all the things that went on in this book, the book of Job, at the very end, in 42, verse 5, Job saw God. And when he saw God, he repented of everything in dust and ashes. Listen, at that point, Job got the real blessing. 
And later on, in the, the, the verses I read previous, that shows the kind of the outward things the Lord restored to him. But you have to realize those outward things were not the real blessing. That was not the real blessing. And today, to us, the outward things are not the real blessing. What we have to realize, the greatest blessing is the triune God Himself. And I just appreciated so much with the vision of the world that we just saw. You know, what the Spirit wants to do is simplify us. It just wants to reduce us. You know, the more worldly a person is, the more things he has to have. Why is that? Because all those things could never fill his small heart. Remember the hymn the sister read to us? All those things can never fill you up. But you know what? Our capacity is for God. And the unique blessing and the top blessing in the whole universe is the triune God Himself. I can never forget, I was in a meeting one time and a brother was sharing on this point. And he said, it doesn't matter anything. Nothing else in my whole life matters as long as I have the triune God. And uh, I can't tell you what was happening in me at that time, but I realized, God, you are the top blessing. If I have you, if I have your presence, if I have your smile, I have the top blessing. All the outward things, they don't mean so much. But when I have you, I have the top blessing. Listen, today the Spirit is the top blessing. When we receive the Spirit, we get the blessing of the gospel. This is our gospel, too. This is what we preach on the college campuses, that what you need to receive is the Spirit. When somebody receives the Spirit, guess what? They get the top blessing. Maybe outwardly everything is not going well, but when they touch this, maybe the Lord has brought them through a Job experience. And we meet people like this on the campuses all the time. We, they have to touch and realize at that point, they need the top blessing. And the top blessing is to receive the Spirit. Amen. 